Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. Today we have an amazing guest, Debbie Mosesian of Mindful Health and Wellness Coaching Program. And so I brought Debbie on today so we could talk a little bit about how to take better care of ourselves, our teams, and our patients. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you so much. I'm excited about this. Great. So, you know, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about how you landed where you are. You know, for the listeners out there, I try to bring folks that are non-nursing and nursing into the podcast. And Debbie's one of our non-nurses. However, she's in healthcare. And so I'd like for her to share her story about kind of how she got into health coaching. Yeah. So I would say there's, there's three kind of big moments of my life um, that I really think have led me to where I am. So the first thing is that I am a physician assistant and I've always been very interested in helping people. As a very general term, I think a lot of probably the listeners feel the same way. They went into nursing, they are into leadership because they want to help people. Um, But there's really three things that happen in my life that have altered my thought process on what it means to help people. So the first thing that happened was about 12 or 13 years ago, and I had this really good friend. And she, I met her at this place called Gymboree. Our little girls we kind of grew up together. We, this is a place where kids can run around and play. And, you know, it's like they can run and jump and, and climb an obstacle course, that kind of thing for little tiny kids. And so I met this friend there and, and we kind of raised our kids together. And then all of a sudden I felt her pull away from me. And I wasn't sure why. We were really good friends. And it was, this was back in the day, not, not like now where, you know, there's all the social media and texting all the time and people stay on top of each other really, you know, closely. Um, so you have to really make an effort back then to, to get to know people or to stay in touch. Um, and so I wasn't hearing from her much and I didn't know what was going on. So finally she reached out to me and she admitted that, yes, you know, I've kind of been pulling away. And I said, you know, what is going on? What happened? And she gave me the shocking news and she said, Debbie, I have breast cancer. And that was just, I mean, I was devastated. Here is this young, beautiful, healthy mom, my friend, and she has breast cancer. And as a PA, I had already been working, you know, for a few years as a physician assistant and saw many people with illnesses, but this was a personal friend and it was cancer. And um, so I was devastated for her, but she was really, really inspirational to me. She did go through typical treatment, um, a mastectomy, chemotherapy. She was really ill. But throughout this whole thing, she really took control of her own health. And she did a lot of research. You know, her mom had passed away from cancer at a young age, too. And not too, but um, her mom had passed away at a young age. And so that was, you know, really scary for her because she didn't know what her future held. And so she did a lot of research and she learned a lot about what's in the environment, contaminants, pesticides, what's in our food, and started to really change her lifestyle and made conscious efforts to only bring in, you know, the freshest and purest ingredients and things into her home. Um, The good news is that she went into full remission and she actually ended up having a third child, even though she thought maybe she'd go into menopause with chemotherapy. Um, So this was just really inspirational to me to take a look at what am I doing how am I treating my own body and my family? And so then fast forward many years, and I was working, I was in Michigan at the time. I had this fantastic job as a PA. 
I worked with a, um, a group of electrophysiologists. So that's a subspecialty of cardiology. And when I would, you know, imagine what kind of job I wanted as a PA, this was it. It was perfect. It was wonderful. Uh, the team was amazing. And I found myself not happy. I was like, all right, what is going on? I kind of hit this wall and I started having all these doubts. Like, did I go into the wrong profession? Why am I unhappy? This is the greatest job I've ever had. Like, what is happening? And I really didn't, it didn't become clear to me until this one day in particular when my doctor that I worked really closely with, he pulled me into his office. He's like, Debbie, you know, we need to chat. And he could just tell, he's like, Debbie, what is going on? I know you, things are not the same, something's going on. And I really didn't know until that moment when he asked me that question and I answered him and I said, I'm not having the impact that I truly want to have on my patients. And in that moment, all these flashes came of like patients through the years that I had seen and that they kept coming back in with recurrence of symptoms and arrhythmias and they kept gaining weight. And I just, it just hit me that I felt like I wasn't really healing anybody, really curing anybody. And it was, that was what was bothering me. So in that moment, of course, I was a little bit like, oh no, like, what am I going to do? And, but at the same time, I was invigorated and excited because I knew that meant there had to be more. And so what happened was I found the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and that is an association for practitioners where you can go and learn all about the power that we that our lifestyle choices have. And there's different pillars, and I went through the core competency program, and I, you know, there were a lot of things that I f- kind of feel like I already knew about sleep management and um, stress management and exercise. But the thing that blew my mind was all the information about nutrition. And I basically feel like through the um, ACLM, I learned the truth about foods. And I was just blown away. And and the other thing that was really awesome was that not only was I learning things I had not known in the 15 years of practicing medicine, but I um, saw the powerful effects that changing our daily routines, our habits, our food choices how much impact we truly can have on our health. And so that means if that's what we're teaching our patients or our clients and um, our family members, we can literally change the course of their disease processes and their health outcomes. So right around that time, this third major thing happened in my life, and it was more of a personal level, and it was involving my husband. So my husband comes from pretty bad family history. There's a lot of cancer, obesity, heart disease. I mean, you name it. And so he was kind of scared of what, you know, he didn't want to develop himself and was pretty focused on his health or so he thought, you know, he would do exercise programs and he would um, try to eat as healthy, you know, as, as, and that at that time is what we considered healthy. You know, we weren't eating a lot of fast food or soda or things like that, but he went to the doctor's office and he came home one day and he had this awful look on his face. I'm like, what is going on? And he said, my doctor wants to put me on medications. And he said that his cholesterol was up despite what his efforts that he had been doing. His glucose was in the borderline um, diabetes range and his blood pressure was borderline as well. And he just looked at me and he's like, I'm not going on medications. He saw what happened with his father. I saw what happened with all my patients. And like in that moment, like everything kind of came together. And I realized like, if we are not actively preventing and reversing diseases, we are contributing to it. And so that is when I started to be really passionate about how can I make more of an impact 
on my family, myself, my clients, my patients. And, and, and it just all has kind of gone from there as far as, you know, my business now. And so tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. So I, um, I still actually work as a PA, um, but I also, aside from that, I have a health coaching business. And, you know, I do what I can at work, but I work with heart failure patients. And so unfortunately, a lot of them are like end stage and there are some things that they can do to improve their health, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot of prevention anymore. Um, And so I really focus outside of my job in reaching people who are not yet at that level. I have a meal planning, a membership, and I do one-on-one coaching. And I work with specifically with people who are like my husband, like they don't want to go down that path of lifelong medications, procedures, and you, you know, you know how the healthcare system is. Yeah. You know, you talked about your husband and how he thought he was doing the right things. He was exercising, not eating out a lot and still ended up having high cholesterol. What are some of the truths that you found when you went through the program in terms of what food really does to us? And What are some of the myths that we might have about taking care of ourselves? So one of the big ones is just in general, I think I would say for my husband was that because he was making some efforts, he thought that was enough. And I think a lot of people get in that state of mind where they feel like their health is pretty good. And when you really take a look at it, it's like, okay, how many times did you drink over the weekend? How many times did you have fast food? Or how many times did you not have vegetables? And when you really dive deep, it's not as good as most people think. So that that's kind of one thing. But specifically about the foods themselves, I learned the effects that dairy have. I learned how inflammatory dairy products are, processed foods, how inflammatory they are. And then I learned quite a bit about how important the actual ingredients of every food is, because there was this period of time where I thought, okay, if I'm going to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, for example, you know, that's a health food store. So anything I buy there should be pretty good until I learned that, you know, what the food industry is actually putting into our foods. So when I started looking, it's like, oh, my God, there's oil added to everything. Um, There's sugar added to everything. You know, so it's like. I really got to be in tune with what is truly going into my grocery cart. I learned another thing that I learned, which is going to be maybe shocking for a lot of people to hear, is that the more animal products in general, like the more animal protein, meats, dairy um, that we consume, the higher our risk for things like diabetes, obesity, cancer. I mean, we are just eating way too many animal products in general in this culture. So that was a big one that I learned. Well, speaking about animal products, it kind of is making me reflect on, you know, the new year. We have a huge group of folks that are on the keto diet. And so they're seeing results. They're saying they feel better. But, you know, that diet is a diet of moderate amount of animal intake, high amount of fat. And I think there's two ways to look at keto. So one is that you're just doing any kind of fat, which in those cases, I see folks just doing tons of processed meat, so bacon and all this stuff. And then I see the other side of folks on keto who really kind of mimics the Mediterranean diet minus the carbs. So they do a lot of veggies, a lot of healthy fats, olive oil, avocado, and then non-processed meats. But tell me a little bit about your take on some of the fad diets around and maybe not non-fad diets, right? So just different diets in general, you could kind of talk a little bit about them and what your thoughts are around them. 
Yeah, I could go on and on about this. Actually, we could have a whole show just about that. But so, so basically, first of all, when it comes to food, everything is relative. So when there's things, there's a lot of like hoopla around things, like, for example, the Mediterranean diet, there was a lot of um, data that showed, okay, people that eat the Mediterranean diet are way healthier, and it's the olive oil and everything. Well, um, not really. When you really tease out the data, what they found was that that the Mediterranean diet compared to the standard American diet, which is full of animal products and full of processed foods and very, very little fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds, then yes, those people did better. But if you then compare, you know, well, why did those people do better? Was it really the olive oil or was it the, the amount of fruits and vegetables that they were eating? And that's what they found is that it's really that it's, it's the, it, there's a huge correlation with how many fruits and vegetables people are eating compared to, you know, other things. So that's the Mediterranean diet. Um, and the, as far as something like the keto diet, that just makes me cringe because people love to hear good things about bad habits. And so why would you not want to jump on board to a diet where you can eat bacon for God's sake? You know, like, I mean, most people would say, yes, sign me up. I can lose weight and eat bacon without really realizing the long-term effects. And that's the big problem with these fad diets. They may show some short-term results, but like, at least for me personally, my goal, and it's changed over time. At first it was weight. Now it is absolutely by far without a doubt, it's health and longevity and, um, you know, the way that I live and feel. And the fad diets like keto in particular do not have data to show that they lower your risk of cancer, that they lower your risk of heart disease or complications from diabetes. I mean, yes, some people and not even everyone, but some people may lose weight, but that's a temporary thing. And I would even add to that, that you may be even making things way worse because you're eating the foods that are contributing to the root causes of diseases like heart disease and diabetes. If you go off of keto, then your body doesn't know how to handle the healthy things like all of the fruits and the carbohydrates that your body wants and needs. So I'm definitely not a fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that if you look at the literature, the majority of the literature is not ranking keto as one of the diets to follow, but people are seeing results. And, and I think you're right. I think people are not realizing uh, the long-term effects that may come with being on a diet like that. Yeah. So that also leads me into kind of my next thought or question. You're in healthcare, so I know you know what it's like to go a whole day without being able to go to the restroom, without being able to have a normal meal, and then you get home and you have family life and you know things just kind of get in the way. For our nurse leaders that are listening, tell me a little bit about how you think they could incorporate this into their own health and to their own well-being. How do we take care of ourselves? Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to talk about this. This was the one of the main reasons I was so ex like excited that you asked me to come on this show because um, that's what it's all about to me is getting to the leaders. Like it's our culture. Our culture is not set up for people to be healthy. It's just not. Our our priorities are are really kind of out of whack. Um, they're our priorities are not focused on health. And so for those people who are in a leadership position. It is. It's up to us to lead by example and to do everything we can to start changing the culture and to show people your health is more important than anything. Because if you're not well, then 
your patients aren't going to be well, you're not going to show up for your job, you're going to be kind of, in a, you know, not as good of a mood. I mean, just and, and it's just a ripple effect. So, you know, what I would love to see is leaders saying, you know what, we're going to have a potluck. And this time we're going to actually bring in foods that support our bodies that make us have energy throughout our shift that aren't going to make us want to go get a cup of coffee at 3pm. And I don't see that. I see people bringing in donuts. I see people bringing in all kinds of cheesy foods and things that are not supporting us. So I would say the number one thing um, that leaders can do is to try to bring some healthy culture into their you know, environments at work. Now, of course, that sounds great. But like you just said, how can they actually do it themselves? So you have to start with yourself before you can help others. Put your mask on before you put on someone else's. And so you as a leader get to decide how important is health to you. And know that if health is very important to you, it will be more important to the people that you're leading. And so that means setting priorities, that you are going to commit to a healthy way of life. And that means not giving into all of the things that come your way, like donuts and cheesy meals at lunch. And, and so it, it starts with just setting specific you know, goals, have maybe setting some non-negotiables, and then creating time because we all say we don't have time, but if someone wants to be healthy, that they have created the time. Um, there's a lot of busy people out there who are still able to be healthy. So it starts with making it a priority and then creating a little bit of time in your day that you can dedicate to it. So one of the big things that I coach people through is to create the habit of healthy meal planning. And it may feel like a lot of work at the beginning, but after a few weeks, it literally becomes a habit and it's like this no brainer thing that you do. And so that is like my favorite thing to talk about is meal planning and how just focusing on that can have a huge effect on your overall health. And then when you feel better, then you want to exercise more. And then it just, everything changes. Your whole perspective on your health and your life and how busy you are and all of those things just sort of change. And the reason why I think that the meal planning is so important is because obviously we have to eat. And we all know what it's like to be busy. And when you don't have something ready that is a good choice, you're more likely to choose something that's not a good choice because it's around us. We're tempted constantly by junk food. But if you have your meals planned, if you have a lunch that you've brought, if you've started your day with a healthy smoothie or something like that, then um, it just it grows and grows and grows. And then you're less likely to fall into the old habits of those temptations that are still going to be around. Yeah. As you're speaking, it kind of makes me think of you know, we do different challenges. So we'll do, you know, like a grateful challenge and um, a thankful challenge with our patients, or we'll do, um, you know, different kind of challenges throughout the year. And so I wonder how as a nurse leader, we could really say, okay, listen, guys, we want to help us thrive and feel better and do better. And so let's do a meal planning challenge where kind of everybody comes up with their meal plan and then kind of share it so that you're spreading the wealth and people don't get bored of the same meal. So this is something that I'm kind of thinking I'm going to take back to my team in terms of helping us really begin to develop healthy habits together as a team so we can support each other on the journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you walk me through kind of what uh, a meal planning might look like? So to me, I, when I hear meal planning, I'm like, okay, let me go on Instagram and just snip some pictures of some food that looks really good. But so I, I don't even know where to start with meal planning. I mean, what does it look like if somebody wanted to start meal planning? What's the process for it? 
I mean, obviously there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, I like to break it down into like four steps. So the first step with meal planning is to spend some time thinking about what it is that you want to eat. So whether that is thinking about foods you've been thinking about trying, recipes you've you know used in the past, spending a little bit of time Googling, um, signing up for a, a already done for you meal planning service, that kind of thing. So in you know, so that's step number one is spending a little bit of time actually thinking about what, you know, what am I going to eat next week? And then the second step is to make sure that you then take whatever recipes you've come up with or ideas you've had, and you make a very detailed grocery list. Because without that, if you just go to the store without step number one, and you just buy a bunch of stuff, I mean, of course, so many of us, I'm sure you've done it. I've done it a bunch of times. You get home and you're like, well, wait a minute, I forgot this. I forgot that. I don't have what I need (laughs) for this recipe. And then you say, screw it. Let's just order a pizza. You know, so, so, so I really think it's important to make sure you follow these steps. So step number two is to make sure you have a very detailed grocery list. So you have everything you need right there when you need it. Um, Number three is obviously go shopping or to make it even easier, do it online. The greatest thing in the world is having your food delivered to you. You know, maybe you splurge on that one week and, and, and then you're hooked um, because you don't have to spend all that time grocery shopping. And the other thing that's really awesome about either doing it online or having it delivered is that you're much less likely to buy junk food because you're not passing by every aisle seeing it. So that's like um, hitting two birds with one stone. Um, And then the fourth thing is if you're really busy to create a time in your weekend or whenever you're off to dedicate to your health. And instead of calling it like meal prep time, I like to say dedicating time to your health and whether that means that you are cutting up vegetables, getting things ready to have on hand to grab and eat, or actually doing some meal prep, whatever that means to make your you know weekdays easier. But yeah, I mean, it, it really, as far as like what your initial question was, it just kind of depends on where you are in your journey. Like some people really love to cook and they love to explore recipes and some people don't. And so I would say if you are wanting to make changes, but you really feel like you don't either have time or no desire to do a lot of research, then find someone who can deliver that to you and cut out that first step. Um, So that's what I do for a lot of my clients is that I have a meal planning service and it's like a done for you. So they just go online and they say, you know, okay, I want four meals this week or I want 20 meals this week, whatever it is that they want and need. And it's like generated for them. So they don't have to do all that research and go through and think about things like that. A lot of things that you're saying resonate with me in terms of the steps. I uh, started a couple of, about a year ago, a veggie and fruit delivery service. And so they were sending me some pretty exotic, in my mind, fruits and vegetables that I probably had never, ever cooked with. And it really was interesting because I would take those fruits and veggies and then look up different recipes to do with them. And my husband and kids and family would always kind of be like grossed out by like, you're cooking butternut Uh squash. And then when I, they'd eat it, they loved it. And so, you know, I purposely don't go in and change the fruit and veggie box contents to something that I know that I'll like. I leave the stuff in there that's random because we've been able to really develop our palate by trying things that are completely out of our comfort zone, which has been interesting. Yeah, that's, I was just going to say, that's a really good point. Um, that I think that's key is to be open-minded and be willing to try new things because you never know what you're going to like. Yeah, I agree. Another tip that you reminded me of when you were talking about having the detailed list in the store was I heard many, many years ago that the best thing you can do for your body in terms of nutrition is shop the exterior of the store. So many of the healthier foods, the lean proteins, all of those, you know, the fish, all of that kind of stuff, you'll find it on the 
exterior of the store versus down the aisles where they carry a lot of the things that are processed and really not good for you. And so I've tried to make it a habit to buy, you know, 80 to 90% of my foods from the exterior of the store and then leaving only, you know, maybe 10, 15% of what I need to buy from interior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we talked a little bit about how as a nurse leader, we could help shape our future with nutrition. And we talked a little bit about how we could engage our teams. Let's take it one more step. I mean, what does this look like for patients? I sit here and I look at our patients and I know why they're coming to us. They're coming to us for chronic diseases that definitely could have been prevented by diet and exercise. And so, I mean, a lot of it's really contributed to lifestyle. What is it that we can do in terms of nutrition for our patients? And I'd like to really talk about maybe the link between what you're doing and healthcare organizations, because I know we do a lot of health coaching, but I don't know that we have things as specific as as a meal planning service that would really benefit our patients, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the first step for sure is just talking about it more, talking about what we can do about it. Because I think a lot of times that we get in this kind of funk where, yeah, people have these diseases, but it's so common to us because we see it every single day, you know, patient after patient. I mean, I, I sometimes I'm blown away when I just like sit back and look at like the long list of medications that my patients are on. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, if they only knew what I know, if, if I could have taught them this like 10 years ago, um, you know, I just think that talking about the fact that diseases are preventable, diseases are reversible. I mean, even if not all of them are, and a lot of them are, but even if they're not, like the ones that are still can have huge impact on the patients. And so I just think that the main thing, and I try to do this with every single patient, even though that's not why they're there seeing me, they're there for heart failure management, but I try to talk about food every single visit and increase your fruits and vegetables and and just kind of trying to have it be this common message that practitioners and anyone in the healthcare industry start talking about because we've been ignoring it for all of these years, you know? So I do think that that's the number one thing is just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And then I'm actually actively reaching out to um, other practitioners because yes, I I love working one-on-one with my clients. But I know that I can even have more impact if I can start reaching out and connecting and collaborating with other practitioners, because I know that they are doing their best, but they don't have the resources, they don't have the knowledge. And and they when they have patients who actually are interested and say, what should I eat? Or how can I improve my blood pressure on my own without this medication? Or do I really have to go on that medication? I would love for them to have like a resource to give them and say, you know what, I don't, this isn't my specialty, but this person, Debbie, you know, whoever it is they can help you. They have a supportive, you know, Facebook community, they have meal planning um, opportunities and, and coaching and all of these things. And so that's my goal for 2020 is to just network with other practitioners and other people in the healthcare world that are seeing the patients that need this, you know, education and support. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to me because we in healthcare want to prevent admissions. We want to decrease morbidity and mortality. We want we want the best for our patients. And yet something as simple as giving them the tools, the specific tools that are tailored to them, maybe isn't top of mind. And so I wonder if we look at the cost of not doing this, what that means for healthcare. You know, if nurse leaders are interested in really exploring this further and looking at, you know, how do we go really upstream in healthcare? Where where would they start or where would they go? 
well, I would definitely recommend that people look into the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. That's kind of where it all started for me. Um, and you can just get so many ideas and, and resources and things like that from that. Um, I also have, I mean, there's several gurus, I would say, you know, physicians that have kind of been my mentors and they, they put together those core competencies that I was talking about in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And so their passion is to um, spread the word about the importance of lifestyle medicine. And, and I just, I think that that's a really good start for people. Okay. That's super helpful. Thank you. If folks are interested in learning more about mindful health and wellness or about you, Debbie, where could they find you? So I have a Facebook uh, page that's called It's All About Prevention. And so if you type in, you know, www.facebook.com slash it's all about prevention, that's my mindful health and wellness page. And then I have a private group that's free and it's called Happy and Healthy Mamas. And that's for people who are, you know, really want to get in a supportive environment. Um, and it's a little bit more intimate than, you know, the the general business page, which is sort of like a website, you know, where you can kind of scroll through and see some videos and everything. But within the group, I try to work with people who are specifically ready to go through some challenges or or just just access some of the resources that I have, some of the interviews I've done in the past, and um, and and feel like they're part of a, a supportive community. Because I do think that, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, you know, the knowledge is super, super important. Having a plan like the meal planning, I think is very important, but having the support of others that are wanting to improve their health, it's, that is invaluable, I think, because it's not easy. You know, it's definitely not easy after you've lived a lifetime of eating the standard American diet and everyone around you is still doing so, but you're determined to be healthy. It just helps to be in a community uh, with others who have the same goals. I know you mentioned to me when we had our planning call that you were going to be having a mastermind. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and when you're having it? Oh, the masterclass. Yeah. So um, it's called the three key ingredients of creating consistent healthy habits. And you know what? I, um, I just had to switch the date. And so I'll get back to you on the date. As of right now, it's um, February 29th. And so this is a basically a live training class and it's I'm going to be going over you know why it's so difficult to stick to our health habits you know why typical diets fail and what it really takes to have the consistent um, habits that you want and give you the results that you're that you want to live you know the rest of your life and um, yeah so that's my master class awesome so what I'll do is I'll take all of your contact information and information on the Masterclass, and I will put it in the show notes so um, you can refer to the show notes for the most up to date information for the listeners. Debbie, it was awesome having you on the show. I already feel healthy and I haven't had any fruits or vegetables in the meantime, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just want to say thanks again for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. 